Welcome to the Be Daring Life podcast. I'm your host, Rachel, and today I'm joined by Keith. The parents have taken over and no children are allowed. Hello. Um, no, we just wanted to tell our story today, and it's not that we're going to say anything that the kids wouldn't want to hear or can't hear. We just, they don't, it's not their story, it's our story. So we just wanted to share some stuff that we have never, ever before shared in public. So let's get going. Alrighty. Well, our focus today, we're talking about finances. And just to tell a little bit about our early life growing up, I... I was the saver, or am the saver, of the two, the two of, us. of us. That's correct. I've always been a saver, even when I was a little kid. Yeah, we'd get candy at church or whatever, and I would save all my candy. And I had this white purse had birds all on it, and I'd have all my candy in there. And my brother would eat all his candy, and then he'd come looking to me. All my candy. Let me have some candy. And I don't know. I just, I, I guess that was a four. It was just natural for you. Yeah. And it's always been that way. Right. I, on the other hand, I'm not a saver by nature. I remember when I was young, I think I was 12 years old, my parents had a deal with my brother and I that when we would save up $50, they would open up. A, a savings account at the credit union we have in the area. So finally at 12 years old, I managed to scrape together $50 and, and, you know, that was kind of my first savings accomplishment, but it didn't, didn't exactly spur me on to greater things, I guess you could say. I did get involved in doing some small business type stuff when I was uh, very young. And so I made some money. Uh, my parents kind of made me save some of that. I certainly never saved more than the minimum amount that they required, whatever that was. I don't remember at this point, but uh, I would I would put some of it aside, but it was kind of by, not by force, but because that's, that's just what I was, that's what I was told to do. Did you ever save for any big goals? No. I, I, uh, I saved for comic books. My first confession <laughs> here. I was a ventriloquist when I was in junior high, high school. Um, and I saved up quite a bit of money and bought this really, really expensive dummy. That's <laughs> I'm what, sorry. That's what, that's what they're called. It just, and it, it, he, 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 I could raise his eyebrows, raise his arm. He could spit water. Um, that must've been impressive. It was. I had He's several, I had around. several, I had Howdy Doody. He was kind of cheaper. And then I had like the same. Howdy Doody or yeah. a, like a replica of howdy do well, not the real howdy okay Doody. yeah a replica of howdy do probably worth a lot of money now well when we remember when we were uh oh we'll tell about this later in our story okay i'll explain to you what happened to those oh i yeah now that you say that i remember yeah mm-hmm. um and that so, is called a teaser <laughs> i'm just kidding i didn't even think about it till we just started talking right about it. uh so so that's normal and opposites attract you normally have 
a saver that marries a spender, which can lead to some friction friction in your marriage because the saver feels like I spend all this effort to save this money and you take it and blow it in an instant. And, and the spender's like, but you never spend any money. Yeah. And then they accuse us of not wanting to have fun. Right. And that's come up a couple of times. Anyway. Just saying. So, yes, marriage can be really hard if you have different views of money. And it was hard on us. We married really young. Let me point out real quick. Sorry. It, it can be really hard. But it's also, I actually think it would be more difficult if if it were you were married to somebody who was the same. Yeah. Especially like if you're both spenders because you, you're never going to save anything. But if, then if you're both savers, which may sound ideal and like, you know, cue the hallelujah chorus, but then you never have any fun. Right. And you just, you, well, yeah, you don't ever have any fun, so. Right. Yeah. So there is advantages. I, I guess maybe that's why we're designed that way. It's checks and balances for each other. Right. So we got married pretty young and we really didn't have any money, which is how a lot of people start out. We had some money. It was the money that I she saved, saved <laughs> brought into the marriage. Yes, I remember that. It didn't last very long. No. Um, I think it went to a bass guitar, maybe. <coughs> um, so so we started out, and we weren't making much, and it was very, very hard. And we didn't have much of a life. I remember, like, it, it was just getting by. But and we then, had each other, baby. And then we uh, decided to start our own business. Or you decided to start a business. I, decided. <laughs> I don't <laughs> Let's remember back then if I had any say in this issue. Yeah, I don't remember. It was it was, it was a long time ago. It was the nineties. So we started an internet service right. provider for which, for you young people, might not know what that is. Back in the day, if you, you wanted to get on the internet, you had to dial in. So you would use a what we call a modem, which would take your computer and it would allow you to communicate over phone lines right, so you, to other servers. You plug it into your phone line. Uh, it's funny because I just got through watching a video of one of my friends whose daughter saw a phone jack on the wall. And didn't know what it was. And was Yeah, she didn't know what it was. And so, so you would have to plug it in. And, and people would call you and they'd just get a busy signal because we didn't because, have cell phones. Because you were using Because you're on the internet. You were using the modem and, and you were online, but you're, you know, you're connecting to servers which were then connected to the internet. Right. So, so we were we those servers, we were essentially. There. So um, we started that business and mm-hmm. we had customers. We had a lot of customers, actually, but uh, for us. And they thought very highly of us. We just could not bring in more money than we spent. We could not bring in more customers and we were not making enough money. Right. Um, so what we had was, we, a, a ne- it's not a negative cash flow. Well, essentially it was. 
or it was I wasn't getting paid cash flow. <laughs> right, we were working for free. Right, and um, lots of hours. And lots of hours, and we started living, putting extra expenses on credit cards. Right. Um, which is fun at the moment until the bill comes due. And we had that business for... I actually don't remember. A couple years, I think. Probably. A year and a half, two years. And... And I was working, uh, in all honesty, I was probably working 60, 80 hours a week. And, you know, realistically, you had always on call. Like, it was me, so whenever a customer had an issue, the phone rang and it, it went to... Uh, my phone unless you were working and then sometimes i answered the right. phone because sometimes he had to have another job right we just weren't bringing in enough right and me being the technical genius that i am you did great i would always say well restart your computer that was my answer to everything and half the time it worked because <laughs> they were running microsoft whatever um, it was 95 i really didn't know but i would fake i i, I could fake it enough to like she learned a lot until you could call them back so we sold that business mm-hmm. um and for pro- for money for money <laughs> not not it was a whole definitely lot. for money um yeah. unfortunately it wasn't enough money it was all the money i could find get i didn't actually that part of the problem didn't really know how to sell it so i got this business didn't know what to do ended up going to a local company that was more of a regional provider. They'd grown quite a bit and uh, they basically offered me whatever the amount that it was per user. I don't remember that figure anymore, but that's basically what I got. And they said, take that or nothing. Uh, and that's by the way, going to include all your equipment and everything else. And that was it. Yeah, and well, some well, of the equipment was actually quite expensive. So, but we couldn't, uh, but we I, couldn't keep going. Right. We going. It didn't make any sense to keep going. So we sold it and we lost money, essentially. Right. And that's a whole nother story about should you go into business in debt? Yeah. Nowadays, it's a lot easier to go into a business because of the Internet uh, on, on a shoestring budget. But back then. I mean, looking back at it now, uh, I had this what amounted to an entrepreneurial drive. Definitely, and still do, uh, but it was very difficult to execute on because we had no money to start with, and this was a very difficult business to get into. I learned a huge amount over those couple of years, right. no doubt, uh, that served me well over the, the, the years after that, but we did lose money, a significant amount. Right, and so here we were. We were $50,000 in debt with no job. And no real prospects of a job at that moment, I think. And we we didn't know what to do. We, didn't we know were what to do. desperate. Um, we talked to lots and lots of people that we considered wiser than us to get their counsel. Mm-hmm. And almost all of them told us that we, we should. Should declare declare bankruptcy. bankruptcy. And we went round and round and round about that. And, you know, we weren't sleeping well. We weren't getting along. We didn't feel 
because we were so stressed. We didn't about know it. what to do. We didn't. We we would be convinced to go one way, and then the next day we'd be like, "Oh, maybe we should go the other way." Mm-hmm. And we were very very close to filing bankruptcy. We we had an appointment with some lawyers, right, to sign paperwork, and and that would have been it. And, and I think I said. I don't feel right about this and you wanted to do it, which yeah. I, I totally. I wanted the stress gone. Yeah. You were so stressed out, but, but you were, we kind of have this agreement, like whoever's the most sensitive partner wins, like, like whoever's the most uncomfortable with something, we go with that. Would you say that's true? Sure. <laughs> I was going to say you always win, but no, no that's, that's just not kidding. true. And I she, didn't. Well, Rachel felt very strongly about it. And I, I just knew it was a lot of stress. And I knew if we did the bankruptcy, it would remove the stress. But she felt very strongly that it was not what we were supposed to do. Right. So we went with that. And it for us, for us, it was the right decision. Right. I have no doubt about that, especially. All these years later, uh, at the time we were like, "What have we gotten ourselves into?" But yeah. and, and I totally, I don't feel any kind of judgment over people that declare bankruptcy, because I remember how stressed and overwhelmed we were. So we we decided we were going to pay it off, even though we didn't know how we were going to do it, and. We went through consumer credit counseling, and we had a huge payment every month. I remember, it which was, was like a fourth of our paycheck. Working with them was was the best thing, I think, to do because they were able to. The interest was killing us, right. and and they were able to negotiate agreements that we couldn't really do that kept that from happening. So. We weren't having to pay that very high interest. We were able to pay the debt off. Right. So we spent a good five years. Five five to six. It's somewhere in that ballpark. Paying that debt off. And for a lot of that time period, our income was really... Was very low. Low. In the lower 20s. Under, under 30. Yeah, yeah, under 30. So you got a job out in California... Right, and you moved out there first. Um, I was going to school or something, and so you went out first, and Ash, Ash and I stayed back. And you were there six weeks. And that company got bought by another company, and the day that they did it, they cut our con, which I was a contractor. I was not an employee. They cut my contract. At the time, I was I. I was not worried about it because the economy in the Bay Area was still doing really well. And uh, so I actually already had another job lined up. I was going to work for these other people part-time to try and make some extra money to try and pay this debt off. And so we actually, I, that was on Friday. On Monday, I started work with a new company, and they just went ahead and hired me on full-time. So I'm like, this is cool. We keep on rocking. Now, I think they paid me less. Yeah. Um, they gave me these. It was like a 20000 Like stock options because now I was an employee. Cut. 
but they were very early in their business. They were actually, they'd gotten some funding before I got there. They were still looking for it. In fact, I remember they told me they were, they were working on their second round of funding. So I'm like, terrific. This is it. We start off and a couple of months later they come to me and they said, the owner came to me and he's like, we're out of money. We, we didn't, we didn't get that second round of financing. Will you work for us for free? And I said, I can't do that. And so I was out of a job and I very unexpectedly. Right. And then you got the third job, which it took a bit. It took about a month, but I did get work down in Los Angeles for a, one of the internet companies down there. I was there for six months and they merged with another company and cut 25% of 300 employees on the same day, including myself, because I was new again, very unexpectedly. So I've had all these job losses. I'm starting to really think it's me. Right. So we had a very emotional year. So I think it was in nine. I think it was like within nine months when mm, that happened. Roughly. We, we had lost a baby. Right before the last uh, job loss. Job loss. And we had no, the dot coms are crashing all around us. So there was no jobs. There was, you were sending out resumes everywhere and only got one interview. And so we said, we have to, we have to go back home. Right. So, so we packed up. Another cross country move. Another cross country move. cheap. So we moved cross country twice. We actually moved temporarily to China for a little while. We were a mess at that time. We're still paying off our debt. Um, while we're in California, I I am consuming every book I can find on finances. Mary Hunt, Dave Ramsey, Larry Burkett. And it kept me going. It, but it was, I felt like it's so slow. Like I would read all this stuff. Oh, I want to implement it. But a paycheck only comes twice a month. And then you pay it all out. And then I got to wait. Two more weeks for the next paycheck. So we see we moved back home, and so I'm unemployed again. Right, and we barely had enough money to get home. So we're back in the not so nice neighborhood. Um, right, we're living in a not uh, one of the worst neighborhoods in in our town, driving cars that were not the greatest, and so. I'm not saying everybody needs to live like misers, but for us, that's what we had to do in order to pay all the bills. Right. Keith started driving a cab. That was his job. That was the only thing I could do that I felt like I could make enough money for us to even get by doing that. So that's what I did. Yeah. And it wasn't, it was like. It was not glamorous. Six or seven yeah. days a week, 12 hours a day. Right. At night. So we never saw you to make about two thousand dollars a month. But but you got to remember the nine months before this, we'd had all this going on. Oh, so nine eleven happened, right? Right. When, when, that was day, when we moved back. The day. That, no, that was a weird. Well, I can't. We can't get into that. But it was weird moving back across the country. Right after. Literally the day after nine. Or, well, nine eleven. That was the day. That was. The roads were eerie. That was the day we left Los Angeles, and it was just deserted. So all this goes on, and I'm out driving a cab, making 
It's like a couple dollars an hour. Three, I don't know what, it was not. I mean, we know from our taxes, we were making roughly, you know, $20,000 a year, a little bit more than that. I probably made 20 the first year, but a little more than that as I learned better. But, but I was not doing what I had trained to do. I did not feel like I was providing for my family. And I felt like a failure. And the longer that I drove, the, lo- the more intense that that got. So because of all that, with the dot-com crash and the 9-11, even if I'd have left our area and went out and looked for work, I probably would not have found it. But I, I, I didn't even do that because we couldn't afford it. And I just didn't feel like it was going to work. So I kept driving a cab. And that went on. For, for five and I, I got into this routine I just it we just kind of survived it but, but we I was trouble. really it was the only way I can describe it is it was soul crushing I mean it was just I was not doing my purpose and it was just beating me down right. year after year after year and I'd come home and look at her and go I'm not doing it I'm not cutting it I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do and it for i think for a man that really hurts right and that, and i didn't know what to do to motivate you right she didn't know it wasn't and I her was job frustrated because i knew you could do better than that but you didn't seem to want to try that that's the way it right. came off to me and we were at a very 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 bad place like with our marriage with our finances i mean we were still paying it off, off the debt but we were living on nothing we couldn't do anything we had no budget for anything fun no vacations no going out no date night i mean we never went out we just literally we never went out i just i mean i don't recall stuff going on during that period because we didn't do anything right and i just remember being so stressed out every waking moment and i never would have tried to do anything drastic like commit suicide or anything like that but i remember driving down the road and being so frustrated and like thinking to myself god i wish i would just be in an accident and something would take me out quickly because i'm just so tired of living like this and that well you live like that for a couple years and we're not telling you this story so you'll feel sorry for us because we're okay now. We, we've uh, we figured it out. We're just telling you the story to t- let you know that we have been through some stuff financially. And we can relate if you're going through hard stuff. And just to give you a little glimpse into what makes us tick... <laughs> So our mindset was, even though we were, we were, we come home, we were still doing the paying off our debt. Yeah. Um, We had found Dave Ramsey, who was great, who is great at motivating people to get out of debt. We had found Dave Ramsey. We had started teaching financial peace classes. We probably taught four, four, five, maybe. Over, yeah, over the next couple of years. Yeah. Uh, sessions of Financial Peace University, which helped keep us motivated and was encouraging for us. We actually put a little a little uh, happy note in here. 
we just found a video uh, that we had made during that time. Um, we had been in a contest. Dave Dave Ramsey ran a contest. It was a contest to see who could pay off the most debt. And he picked 10 couples to go to Atlantis. And then they were going to pick one grand prize winner out of that that got some sum of money. I can't even remember how much they got. So we did this contest. And we 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 did all kinds of crazy stuff. We were paying off. We were... We were selling everything. Like Keith had a CD collection, like 300 CDs. I don't remember if th- that was part of the contest, but but during well, the debt payoff, yeah, we, we were selling. We sold everything we could. I, um, I sold my all my dummies. I thought about selling a kidney. Figured I might need it one day, so I kept it. But. Um, and so we made this video with some of our crazy friends who are – who who are always up for something fun and they're they're great at video and doing silly stuff so we made this video for just to go along with our entry to the contest just to be funny and if you want to see it it is going to be on our youtube channel our youtube channel i might share it on our facebook Facebook. page too you'll see what we look like we were so dorky (laughs) but even though we were going through all that and we were getting our mind, our mind was slowly getting in the right place, I think, at least financially. Right. We knew the right principles. I was still we, not in the right we place under, simply because of my job situation. We were underemployed. And probably two years post 9-11, so somewhere around 2003, I probably could have, uh, I probably could have gotten other work especially if I'd have been willing to go somewhere else. And by that point, I was just, I, I was just in this depressed state that I, I, I don't feel like I, I could have, you know? So that went on for a number of years. So I drove a cab for like six years and, uh, and kind of at the end of it, this, it, it just, I don't know. I guess I hit rock bottom. I don't know what else to say. I don't know how else to describe it, but I made a decision that something was going to have to change because if we kept going, even though we were paying the debt and doing the things. Yeah, we'd already paid it off by then. Yeah. We paid it off. No, true. But we, ha- I had to change in order for us to survive. We were not going anywhere. As a couple, <laughs> right? We were going to get divorced. I mean, that's what the end result would have been if I had kept doing what I was doing. So I made a decision and I started looking around outside of our area and I found my first job after that up in Atlanta and went up there and started working for a company up there and there's been other jobs since then that's that was a number of years ago but it's it's been it's been going the right direction since then certainly well career-wise or whatever and for us as well I I remember like every the stress, constant, constant, constant stress. And I can't remember the last time I felt that kind of stress. Like, we just well, don't. So when was the last time you worried about money? I can't remember. Yeah. I mean, we don't. It's not like we've got everything we ever wanted. Right. I and really need a new truck, by the way. But we don't. It's not a but stress. But it's a decision. Well, like, it is a decision. Like, we have decided we want right. other things more than that truck right now. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. So that's true, actually. And we don't pay. But um, we don't buy cars on credit. It is a decision at this point. It's not because of necessity. Right. But one day, hopefully soon, I'll have a 2001 Dodge 2500 up for sale if you'd like to buy it. Really cheap. Lots of miles. But, but we we haven't bought a car on credit in a long, long time. Dave, yeah, Dave Ramsey says money's not everything, but it ranks right up there with air. Right. Something like that. So money's important, right? It's necessary. Right. I remember every, it was like every second was stress about money. And I can't remember the last time I felt like that. It was. I don't, it was, e- I don't either. It was, it was so, like there was no peace. It was so stressful. So, you know, if, if we think about how people handle money, like about how our grandparents handled money. Back in the day, they didn't even really finance houses and cars. I think that all started about when. Maybe after our parents were born. When you when you picked up your Model T, they didn't take a down payment and send you a monthly. Right, and then our our parents came along. Right, and they, our parents' generation, they. I mean, for us, that was post World War Two, right, or or right in that time at the tail end of World War Two. So it it was different at that point. The, The economy was booming. People were starting to offer credit for. For homes and things like that 1950 the first credit card was actually introduced which that was a game changer right and then along came our generation where credit became more and more easy but nobody taught you how to do it and you know how to how, how to manage it right how, how do most people learn about money I think a lot of people maybe feel like they're teaching their kids about money. Like, I'm setting a good example. They'll just learn from that. Right. Osmosis. Right. Or maybe their parents give them an allowance and have them save and give a percentage and then let them spend the rest. That's what a lot of people do. That's what we did. That's, yeah. When that's... We started out. Or maybe they just think this is something they're going to have to learn on their own, like I did. So, how is our society doing with? with those methods well the statistics say the average american is eighty four hundred dollars in debt four out of ten can't come up with four hundred dollars and six out of ten can't come up with a thousand dollars for an emergency so if your car breaks down and your you know say your transmission breaks more than half of the people out there can't pull out a thousand dollars from some account or something to pay for that they have to they have to put it on a credit card and let it ride for a few months or they have to pull it out of other things that are not as important cuz they have to have the car to ride around in or whatever. Right. I mean that's I mean that's just stunning. And we were there. We were there. We were like way below well, there. Our car actually wasn't worth a thousand dollars. Maybe maybe that's the trick. No, I, um, I that's actually a really bad thing. Yeah. So so you know, according to a recent study by U.S. Bank, only 41% of Americans even use a budget, even though it's one of the most effective ways to keep track of finances. So let me point out, it just hit me when you said that. So 41% use a budget. Okay, so four out of 10 use a budget. 
six out of ten can't come up with a thousand dollars. What's four plus six? Ten out of ten, right? So that's like basically the entire population right there in those two numbers. And I'm sure it's not completely, you know, there's people who budget who can't come up with a thousand dollars, but I do think those two things are very related. Right. So where, where are kids supposed to learn about money? Should, you know, should schools teach our kids about money? Is it their responsibility? I think that it's becoming more and more um, popular for the kids to learn at school. A new report just came out from the Council for Economic Education and said that the rate has just risen, the number of states that require a high school student to take a personal finance course in order to graduate has risen to 21 states. So not even half the states require it. What could be the hold hold up? Well, we're too busy. We have to have all those other core courses. Right. Because you might need to know how to figure out calculus. Yeah. Or something like, yeah, I was going to say the area of something, but, um, and I understand the reasons for learning that kind of stuff, but. Sorry, Mr. Lynn. But. He was my calculus teacher. He probably didn't care for me, but that's okay. I wasn't a good student either. But this is something that we, it's probably the most important skill that you're ever going to have. It's very foundational. And maybe maybe we're not teaching it because the teachers, we can't find teachers that are qualified to teach it because nobody taught them how to do it because they're part of that percentage that doesn't know what to do. So think about all the major decisions you make, buying your first house, you know, am I going to take this career based on this pay or what should, career field should I go into? How many children should I have because children are expensive? Uh, getting married. All of these things cost money. They all play a role in finances play a role in all of these events. And it's not just the big events. I mean, it's every day part of your life. You know, money is not everything. Try living without it and see how far you get. Right. I, I've always said. Uh, well, I've said for a long time, money doesn't buy you happiness, but it does actually help buy things, you know, like food or I don't know, right? a new vehicle when you need it. I think Dave might have said that too. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> it's a great If memory. I say it enough, it becomes mine, right? <laughs> so like whether it's where we eat, what we buy, what kind of trips we go on, can we go out with our friends? Every day you're going to be faced with financial decisions and most young adults don't have the experience and education to make these decisions. And if you get into a pile of debt like we did, that can cause considerable hardship on your life. It makes it, it really makes it much more difficult for you to succeed. Right. The stress, and then divorce, your health, depression. Many Americans. Where do they go to, to figure stuff out? Uh, 41% of people say that they had to self-teach themselves about money. So that tells me that nobody is really teaching it. A lot of people are not learning from other, right. you know, from school or from their parents or or whatever. I mean, that's, that's a huge And that amount. doesn't mean that the other 60% are being taught at all. That just means they had to figure it out for themselves. Some people still don't have a clue right so 
why are we talking about all this? So we we asked lots of questions when we first started out to parents, not just parents, but adults in general. Like, what do you feel like was the most important lesson you wish you had been taught when you were in middle school and high school? And drum roll, please, it was? The number one answer we got was how to manage money. Right. Um, and we thought, well, we know stuff about that. The next question we asked was, for those of you that were taught financial principles, was it helpful for you or not? And a lot of them said, I was taught them, but I couldn't, I, did, I wasn't taught how to apply them. They, they weren't were able to apply Abstract it. Right. in my mind. And so it's kind of like people talk to you about marriage or parenting before you've been married or a parent. You think you're going to be different. And you know what you're going to do. Um, did I just snort? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Shh, the secret's out now. Um, so a lot of it, a lot of skills, we can't really learn them abstractly. We have to experience them. So when we went to teach our kids how to handle money, we, we had, I'd read some books that taught this principle it didn't have a step-by-step. It just said, do this. And I'm like trying to figure it out. So I wrote out how we did it. So we decided that a lot of kids and parents needed some more practical guidance in how to learn about money, not just theory, but hands-on so that you can internalize what you need to do. And when we first started with our kids, we did the save give spend envelopes and and that's right. a good first step but we wanted to go a little bit deeper i i had read some books that touched on giving kids more control but they they didn't really break it down enough for me and i had to do it myself so for our kids we went into even deeper deeper hands-on training Mm-hmm. Where we turned more control over control to them. Control over to them because yeah. you spend a lot of money unless you're unless you're living very 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 frugally. You spend money on your kids. You right. buy them clothes. You go out to eat. School with them supplies, sometimes. eating out. Right, sports events. Sports events. Right. So our goal was to turn more and more control over to them and let them learn how to budget. Uh, for something that's not this month, but maybe three months down the road, how to delay gratification, how to be able to manage both a monthly budget and a yearly budget, a long-term budget. And so we we designed a course, and we are launching this Thursday the alpha version of our course, March the twelfth. And basically, what this course is, it's a vid- video modules where we teach you the steps of what we went through and how we teach our kids Um, and we kind of hold your hand and walk you through it give you forms uh, printable forms help you jog your memory do all the stuff that we wish had been written out for us when we were trying to figure out how to do this and the people who go through this this first this alpha course uh, they're going to get a lot of personal attention from us because not only do we we certainly want to make you help you succeed, uh, but we want to be able to get feedback to improve things and 
and make the course better. So. Right. So we're offering the course and a month of one-on-one coaching, coaching in our membership group um, at a very significant discount. And so if you are interested in that, go to rightfootfinances.com and sign up on our page there. We most of all want people to succeed in their financial life because we remember what it was like. It was the worst ever. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we'd just like to be able to help people to kind of uh, skip the hardship part. I mean, we've had people who've gone through our FPU class, for example, who were very young when they went through just almost just out of high school and they really took the principles of the class to heart and have gone on to succeed in amazing ways. If you could help your kid just bypass the hardship that they, that they wouldn't necessarily have to go through. Right. If they just knew a little more information and and it will help them because it, it will help, keep them from having the same pitfalls that we did, but it will also help you because then they're not going to be coming to you and saying, you know, two years after they get out of the nest, so to speak, I've got all these financial problems and I've got all this debt and I don't know what to do. And, and, and you're having to, to help the best you can because, because you're, you're still their parent, even though they're gone, they've left the nest or whatever. We just don't want to see, our kids struggle. We're, we love our kids just like. Yes, we love our we love our children. Yeah. So th- that's our heart in releasing this course. Um, we want to find the things that are the biggest hindrances hindrances to your kids being succe- successful yeah. in their lives because we believe they can do great things. And there's so many people today that have dreams and goals to do great things, but their debt is so overwhelming that they feel trapped. Like maybe they want to go off and serve, you know, a mission or something, but they can't because their credit card debt's so bad. It traps you. And it is true that you're, you become a slave to the lender. And so we just want to encourage everybody that there is hope if you have financial trouble. And I mean, if we did it, (laughs) then anybody can do it. Yeah. Because, if you would have known us mid 90s yeah we were sad late latish 90s i guess really it was yeah it was it was bad i mean all the way through like 2005 or so i mean it just it it was just it was sad and uh i just i hope that people can learn from all the stuff that we went through and all the mistakes that we made and the hardship and the heartache that we we had to go through. Right. And where would we have been if we had kept going the way we were going, you know? Our family would be totally different. So that is our story. Hope it didn't put you to sleep. Put you to sleep. I um, doubt that, but But yeah. hey, go check out that video. It'll make you laugh cuz we look so dorky <laughs> and our kids are cute. Yeah. They're so cute in that video. So we hope you enjoyed hearing our story. It's kind of taken a little bit of time for this story to come out. We've never told it ever. Not the whole thing. No. Different people know bits and pieces of it. Yeah. Our parents probably don't even know the whole story. 
<laughs> That's the story, mom and dad. We're so glad you are listening to our podcast. We hope you're getting a lot out of it. We want it to serve you and help you make your life better. So we would love if you would comment and tell us, send us a message. Tell us what, you, what you've liked about our podcast so far, how we can improve. We'd really love it if you would subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player and give us a review on iTunes. The more reviews we have, the more visible our podcast is, and that helps others find us and the great community we are building together. We love you guys. So go out and be daring. Oh, 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 o